I'm very excited. Uh, this week, obviously, we have creation coming up, right? Many of us leave in the morning for that. And there's a lot that's going to be happening at creation. Um, but each year we wait for something special. And each year we go in anticipation of God doing that. And this year's no different. He's shown me some things that will happen there if they say yes. And we could say yes all day, but we're not in the position of authority there. But they are. And I'd just say a generic they. But if they say yes this year, like they could have two years ago, it'll be something that you've never seen before. It'll be something that I've never seen before, that none of us have experienced before. So when we pray into creation, we pray into that yes. We can't make the yes for them. But what we can do is pray into that, to lend that spiritual support, that angelic support of release that will bring that yes on. I feel more confident this year that we are closer to a yes than we've ever been at creation. Now, I don't even know who the speakers are this year, but uh, I know one of them. But um, I'll be curious to find out who the, other, the others are. I haven't even looked. At, that shows how, how much I haven't really paid attention to who they are because I know who the Holy Spirit is. Right? And... What we're going to do this morning is a little different. When he told me this yesterday, my first thought was, okay, how, how does that work? And um, we're not going to be talking about a subject that is unique, but we are going to do it in a little bit of a unique way. And it's unique. Sorry, I had to turn off my thing so I could see stuff there. Um, <laughs> the Lord wanted to open this up for questions today. And not just questions here, but questions online. So I, I, I'm giving this warning ahead of time, or not a warning, but a, uh, put it on your mind ahead of time, because we're going to go over some scripture. And we're going to go into this idea of relationship that we literally talk about all the time. But see, I know that there are some, and many, perhaps even most, in this room, and certainly online, that they come to some areas where I just, I don't understand quite what that means. I'm wanting that breakthrough in my life, but I don't know what that means. I know, I know what a relationship means here, because I can see the person, I can shake their hand, I can give them a hug, I can talk to them and know what, what's going on. But, but what about that bridge between not hearing God's voice clearly to hearing God's voice clearly? You know, there, there's an area in there that, that sometimes it can be tough, and I don't want it to get lost in, in a colloquialism. I'm saying that wrong. In a label. Much easier. I don't want it to get lost in a name 
called relationship. Because you could say something over and over again and it becomes Christianese doesn't mean it's clearly defined. We talk about relationship all the time and it's very easy for those, even if you think they're not, to not understand certain things about how to move forward. I know this because it does it to me. I'm sure it does it to everyone. It does it to Alexis. She and I, luckily she and I can bounce things off each other. And many of you have that same thing. But I think that's why he wants to do that this morning. He wants to open it up for questions. And the questions online will, you know what, I'm not going to be able to read those, so I will give this to you. And and I don't know that we'll be able to do them all, but but just uh, you could give a summation of what they are. But... uh, but I want, to, I want to go through some of this first because Jesus points out what relationship is. First of all, in the Beatitudes, in, in Matthew 5, it says those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will what? Will be satisfied. Now, growing up as a Christian my whole life, I equate that with obedience. I equate that with a list of things that I need to keep out of my life or things that are supposed to be in my life that I'm supposed to do so I can seek that righteousness. But see, over the last five years, we've learned that's not what that means. To hunger and thirst after righteousness is literally to hunger and thirst after the purity that is manifest through relationships. See, you can't produce your own purity. You can't produce your own righteousness. That comes through Jesus Christ. That's why he said, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else he'll take care of. See, because we can't find his righteousness in our kingdom. We can't find his righteousness tucked into places of our life that we feel we need it. I got to tell you, God is an all or nothing God. He is. The times of lukewarm are coming to an end. What do I mean by that? I mean, a lukewarm person, first of all, that's a safe person. So is cold. Cold is a saved person too. Because when... When Jesus wrote those letters, he was writing it to those who knew him as Savior. Cold, lukewarm, and hot. But he said, there will come a day when I will spew the lukewarm out of my mouth. Why? Because I don't like him anymore? No. If that were the case, he would have said cold too. I will only take hot. That's not the case. It's because... The cold does no damage to his name. In fact, there are people that are saved that you don't even know they're saved. We're going to see people in heaven that, wow, I have no idea you knew Christ. Because you didn't see it in their lives. But then there are many that are lukewarm where they're the ones that do the damage. 
It's in their life where they take control of their life, but they have this, this part of God, this habit, really, this tradition that they grew up in. I have this tradition, and so, you know, I, go, I, I know when, <laughs> I remember when we were first married, I, I, at that point, I was uh, kind of getting away from church, right, when we were first mar- married, and uh, we both grew up, you know, in legal- legalistic atmospheres, stuff like that, and, and I really broke away from that through college, like, way away. And so when Alexa and I got married, it was like, oh, church, church, yeah, church? Yeah, I, I love the Lord, but church, seriously? I remember with her it was, okay, now we're going to church, right? I mean, I mean, we're in agreement to that. If we're going to get married, we're going to church. You know, but in the reality of that, what did that look like in my life? The reality of going to church my entire life, what was the hunger? What was the thirst after righteousness? It was a way of life. That's what it was. And, and it wasn't that I didn't love the Lord. I have loved the Lord my whole life. I've shared the fact that it, when I was five, what I wanted to be was a trucking preacher. Right? I wanted to get one. I wanted to be a truck driver. Not sh- it just that was the coolest thing in the world to me. But I wanted to be a preacher, so I thought, I don't have to haul stuff. I could just have church in the back of the truck and just drive around all over the country and have church. Five years old, that's what made sense to me. And that's what I wanted to do. So I, I've loved the Lord. Even the times I went through where I was away from him, way away from him, I still was afraid of him. I still honored him because I knew if I didn't, I didn't want to break the cord. I, I wanted to stretch the cord, but I didn't want to break the cord. Does that make sense? Why? Because it became habit. It became familiar. I, I came back when we first, first got married and started going to church and everything else. It was more of a political thing for me. And it wasn't that I didn't love the Lord, but it was a piece of my life that needed to have that slot filled. Why? Because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, so I needed to fill that slot. How often do we do that today? Where we simply just fill the slot so we can say we have God in our lives. And and in portion we do. But it's powerless. It's powerless. I know because his power changes lives. And if my life wasn't being changed, it was because there was no power. It wasn't until I recognized the fact That it was so empty for me. You know, following these guidelines, following these rules, having this this, uh, portion of my life, that category of my life filled. And and you got to recognize I was part of leadership for 25 years. I was part of church leadership. For 15 years, I led worship. And yet, this was a part of my life that was just needing to be filled. It didn't infiltrate my other part of my life, my businesses, 
my relationships. It did my marriage, because she wouldn't put up with it if it didn't. Right? But, it, but I categorize all of those things. See, God is not a God who will any longer accept category. The lukewarm will be spit out. Why? Because they heard his name. There were many times in my life, especially where I had run from him, that it would have been better off if I would have not told people I was a Christian. But see, that was kind of like my cord. I didn't want to break that cord. See, God wants everything. He wants hot. I would rather you be hot. That's what he wants. He wants hot, and hot means everything. It doesn't mean 90%. Certainly doesn't mean 50, 60, or even 30 or 20%. It means 100%. Paul says to develop the mind of Christ. What do you think that means? See, we automatically absorb that intellectually. Well, okay, that means that I need to know everything that he says. I need to understand the intellectual value of everything he says in his word. If I have that, then I have him. If I have that, I have understanding of who he is and, and what he does and everything else. And, and so, so that should bring on this righteousness that I'm supposed to be hungry for, that I'm supposed to seek in him, his righteousness. But yet you look at those lives. Why should we be surprised when we hear these amazing preachers and all of a sudden it's found out that they had this illicit affair or that they were this or they were that or they were caught embezzling? Or, why, why should we even be surprised? See, because if it is intellectual for you, then you're going to find yourself in that place. Relationship can't be intellectual. If my relationship with my wife was purely intellectual, then there would not be the capacity of love that there is. Do you see, when your relationship with Jesus Christ and the Father is intellectual, there's no capacity for the very thing that drives that relationship, and that is love. Love has to be what it's all about. No, instead, relationship is really giving him everything. It wasn't until I came to the point where I understood, and it began, it began with understanding that he actually talked to me. Because to me, that's, that was the stopgap for me. I, I, I didn't know how to have a relationship with somebody who wouldn't talk to me. Right? A good example is Josh. I've known Josh for how many years? Ten? Ten years? Okay, we were in a band together, and I'm pretty sure he didn't say more than three or four sentences to me. Right? Am I right? But it was the moment we started talking that we began to build this love for one another. And now we have that. We have that relationship. It was the same with Jesus for me. 
When I understood that he could speak to me, I began to hunger for that. Hunger for relationship with him. And back then, I didn't even know how to label it as that. The relationship word to me didn't come until, I don't know, a couple of years later, maybe. I just wanted him. I just wanted to be with him. I wanted to recognize him as more real than anything else around me. It required giving him every part of my life. Even the parts I like to control. Which is why before he ever spoke to me like he speaks to me now, there had to be some changes in my life. And I've told you about that. That's when I closed the business. The very thing that I loved to control my life and other lives with. See, I could control a lot of things when I was in business for myself. And, and I was, was, really wasn't accountable either. I mean, I was. I was accountable in many ways to my wife and, and everything else. But it was not that I had to go to God for everything. He had to take me out of that first. He didn't force me out. He just made it clear that that had to be gone if I wanted what he had for me. See, that's the hunger. That's the thirst. Have you ever fasted? And I know in this church most have. Have you ever fasted? And by that third day, if you're doing a water-only fast or, or, or something like that, by, the, by that third day, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm really hungry. Right? I remember by the seventh day, it's like, Okay, I'm really hungry. That's what hungering after righteousness is. That's what thirsting after God is. It's, it's, see, during a fast, if you hadn't eaten for a day, and forget the fast, there, there are reasons for a fast. Let's say, let's say you're, I don't know, stuck somewhere, you have no food. Let's say you haven't eaten for three or four days, even though you could have if you had food. How hungry would you be then? It's that hunger is what we're to have when we go after Jesus Christ. That hunger where nothing else is is important. Because everything is filtered through that relationship with him. That's where he wants us to be. I want you to turn to John chapter 15. And hope you're formulating your questions, but I want to go through this because he lays out, this is probably one of the most concise areas of scripture where he lays out the difference with a Christian between being saved and having a relationship. Let's start at verse 1. I'm the true vine. He gives a picture. He's talking to his disciples here. He gives a picture of what it looks like From the Father's standpoint, okay, in the spirit realm. I am the true vine, talking about Jesus. Jesus is speaking these words. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, I won't rabbit trail here, but you understand that is not losing your salvation. It's not, well, you don't bear fruit, so... So you lose your salvation. You, you just can't come to heaven anymore. Okay, that's not what it's saying. Okay, He's talking about fruit here. He's talking ultimately about relationship here. But he says, 
every branch in me, notice, in me, the words in me, that's talking about saved people, in me, that does not bear fruit, he, the Father, takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he what? He prunes. Anybody in here a tree grower, green thumb person, horticulturist? Okay, one, two, three, four, a couple of you. Okay, by the way, I'm growing these apples in a glass. It is the coolest thing. I ate an apple. I took all the seeds. I threw it into a glass of, of uh, purified water, and I, I just want to see what happens. It's been about six weeks, and now they're, they've got some roots on them about three inches long. I'm about to put them into, into soil. But even in that, and I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but even, even in that, I think I put seven or eight seeds in there, and there are only about three that are actually growing. Boy, there's a metaphor there, isn't there? Okay. Anyways, every branch that does, does bear fruit, he prunes. That means he cuts away the pieces that are dead. He cuts away the pieces that are not vibrant. He cuts, why, why does he cut them away? Why, why do you do that in a tree? It's because they take sap, right? They take the nutrients of the tree even though they're dead. They take the nutrients, produce nothing. So what, what, a, what a horticulturist is, a, is a, what the name is? Okay, blah, 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 whatever. What they do is they trim those pieces that do not produce so it allows the nutrients to be to the body that does. That's what the father does. When he looks at the bride, he looks at the bride as a whole and he looks at these ones producing. Now, these are all saved. So please understand we're not talking saved and the world. These are all saved. This is the bride. He's looking at the bride and he's seeing pieces here. Well, this piece is dead. This piece is dead and so, so we're going to clip that one off. Okay, this one here is producing, but we're going to clip this piece off so they'll produce more. You see what I'm saying? Okay, does that make sense? That it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, already you are clean. There's the statement of salvation right there. Because we, when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we are saved immediately and permanently. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit until we receive our inheritance, which is eternal life. So already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. But abide in me, or Jesus is saying to his disciples, abide, stay in me. Don't just come and go, but stay in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Fruit, And apart from me, you could do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. In other words, they're not used. Right? Unless you go after him, you can't be used. Verse 7, if you abide in me, 
and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish. So, so now Jesus is ramping this up a bit. He said, he said there is a benefit. You've got to understand there's a benefit to relationship with me, to abiding in me, to knowing me. There's a benefit to that. And that benefit is this, and it's huge. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Now that verse right there, along with others like it, have confused so many, especially from the pulpit. They've used it incorrectly. You know, well, wait a second. I'm, I'm saved, and I abide in you. I, I, I live my life with this list, and, and you know, I'm, I'm asking this, but... But Lord, it's not happening. I've been asking for 20 years, and it's not happening. Why isn't it happening? Okay, there's two reasons why it may not be happening. One, recognize the Lord has timing for everything. We, we've, we've been dealing with this. Obviously, we all know, firmly believe, have supreme confidence in Carson being fully healed, manifesting full healing. Wait a second, why, Lord? Why hasn't it happened yet? Okay, in that case, there is a case of God's timing. We also ask for the Lord's will. And we talk about these dominoes that are being set up, and, and many have been set up, to where when that happens, it has the cause and effect that it's supposed to. So God has a timing for everything. That's one of the reasons. The other reason is that if you ask and you're not in relationship with the Lord, you could be asking for the very thing. It's, it's almost like, your will be done, Lord. And Lord, I really want this job. I'm praying for this job. I really want this job, Lord. And see, those two prayers are conflicting, perhaps. Because the Lord's thinking, well, okay, my will's not for you to have that job. And yet you're asking me for that job. I have found it so much easier now to pray His will be done in everything. In everything. It's not a, a cop-out to just say, Your will be done in everything. Everything. Because that, now there are some things we know what His will is. He's told us His will. He's told us His will in His word. He's perhaps told you in your life what His will is. But things that we don't know what his will is, it's important that you're praying for his will. But unless we have the mind of Christ, then how can we ask with Christ's mind? You know, I used to always ponder this verse, you know, that, that he said to his disciples, wow, I mean, I'll, tell, I'll give you another one. And, and this confuses, I mean, it confused me for a long time. Where, where he was telling his disciples, whom you will forgive, I will forgive. Whom you don't forgive, I won't forgive. Try that one on for size. Because see, immediately what comes to your mind is, wait a second, so, so, so Christ was literally giving his disciples the ability to not forgive? I mean, that, that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even make sense. And what I mean by not forgiving is by their own choice, they make the choice. It's not like the disciple says, yeah, I like you, I don't like you, you get out of here. It wasn't like that. 
But in reality, what was happening was Jesus wants to build relationship with the people, with us, with you, with me, with his disciples, to where they had, like Paul said, the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, Christ can trust the decisions that we make. Why? Because they're his decisions. They're his decisions. That only comes from relationship. That only comes from from building, and it takes time, but building that relationship with him. Let's go on. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Okay, now he quantifies what abiding is. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now recognize something. His commandments were different than ours. What did Jesus come? I won't go into it, but you, can, you could go further down, and, and, uh, um, and especially in, in the book of Hebrews, you could see what, what Jesus came to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill the law. The commandments he lived by were different than what he is about to lay out for us. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. He didn't say there, you need to love me more than anything else. See, why do you think that's the case? Because they already loved him. They had already become his friends. They loved him. But there was clearly something lacking there that he was trying to show them. If you want to keep my commandments, okay, it's easy to love me. Jesus, you know, imagine Jesus saying this, it's easy to love me. But what about love the person that hates you? What about that person who annoys you? What about that person that speaks ill against you? You know, do you love them? You know what, let's set that aside for a second. Church, does this church... Love this church. Ooh, okay, now you're getting into ground that's a little painful. Because 999 times out of 1,000, no, they don't. They can't even work together. I, I, I would say they're pretty far from loving each other when most times they don't even like each other. And he's saying here, if you want to be in relationship with me, you've got to love Each other. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. See, Jesus said, You're my friends. You're not just saved. You don't just believe in me as the Messiah. You're not just going to heaven and have your golden ticket, but you're my friends. Why? Because you've built relationship with me. Because you've spent time with me. Because, John, you've laid your head against my shoulders. 
Right? You've desired, you've hungered and thirsted after that righteousness, after that relationship with me. That's why. That's why you're my friends. But to have this fruit, you've got to love each other the same. See, they didn't know. And even though they were told, they didn't understand what was about to happen. That, that Jesus was no longer going to be a part of their group in the physical. And, and, and he's trying to say, look, you don't understand. It is important. It is critical that you love each other. What does that mean? What does it mean to love each other? What does it mean for this part of the bride to love this part of the bride? That's a tough, tough thing. Because it's it's easy to love the people that you're around. It's easy to love people that are like-minded. You know, how about the legalistic churches we grew up in? See, God didn't say, you need to love the entire bride except, you know, that group. You don't need to just kind of set them aside. That's not my job. That's God's job. It's not my job. It's time to love them. But guess what? They're to love me. They're to love me too. And that's what relationship is about. It's not about the fact that we think alike. Oh, what a dangerous bride we would be if we all thought the same way. That would be, even, even this church, even, it, could you imagine if all of us had just the same gift and it was one gift? We'd be stepping all over each other. Right? But what God has produced here is a family of gifts that work symbiotically together. That's how the bride's supposed to be. No different. The picture's supposed to be the same. But yet it's not. It is within, uh, I, I won't even say it is, it is a little bit within associations. Well, you know, we are, this is the ABC Association of God. And so we all like each other. And, and by the way, we represent 3.5 million people. So that's a big chunk of the bride. Well, good for you. Because that's not what he said. He said, love each other. How different were the disciples? Huge, hugely different. That's why some of them ran when they heard Jesus had resurrected. And then others said, yeah, I don't believe it. I'm going to have to see it. They're different. They had different capabilities. They had different needs. They had Different desires. But he said, you are my friends. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I call, I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Okay, so I want to open it up to questions because, and I, and I want, to, want to keep the questions in regards to what does it mean in pursuing this relationship? 
You know, and, and perhaps you'll ask it for yourself. Perhaps you'll ask it knowing that there are others that, that need to. So I don't want people to think, oh, they asked that question. They must be dealing with that. First of all, if, if that's what you think, then you're kind of missing the whole point. Because we're to love one another. But are there any questions? Anybody? Don't be afraid. You won't be online. I mean, your voice might be when you ask the question. Everybody's good. I mean, seriously. Think about your relationship with Christ. See, I know you're not. I know you're not for two reasons. One, because I've probably talked to over half of you. And two, because the Lord told me to do this. So get real. If we need to turn the camera off, we'll turn the camera off. But get real. What is holding you back from building relationship to the level that God wants relationship and that you want relationship with him? Get real. You've had a few minutes to think about it, but you know what? This is not something that's not been on your mind. It's been on your mind. It's been on your heart constantly. So don't be afraid to ask it. Father, I pray that you open mouths, that you open hearts. God, and if you want me to, I'll just keep preaching. Because we preach the same, same thing every week. Because it's what you want. Because that's where your power is released. That's where your power is released. And God, I know men in here would feel the same, but I, I do speak for myself when I say I desire only you. I desire you to infiltrate every part of my life. I don't want to own a single part. I just want you. Like the song said that we sang, I just want you. In Jesus' name. Go ahead. I'm going to start and say, I struggle. Yeah, go ahead. I struggle. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to start out and say, I struggle. Um, and I'm not sure that I can put my finger on specifically where I struggle. Hearing his voice is one thing that's always been on and on for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I seek him, I give him my yes, and I want that deeper relationship, and I guess I would, I would say for me that I've struggled with physical relationship as well, not having a lot of friends, things like that, even prior to that. So learning that with all of you, as well as trying to build a relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah, and... First of all, thank you. Thank you for having courage to stand up and say that. Um, let me say that there's not a hard and fast answer like this uh, formula. You know, well, do this, you know, A, B, and C, and then do it for, you know, six months, and then you do, you know, four more points, and then you have relation. It's, it, it doesn't work that way. It's 
you know, what did God say about David? He said David had a heart after him. That's where it, that's where it all began. We don't know much about David's life when he was uh, shepherding, but we know that his heart was hungry for God. And the thing that I would say in regards to, I can only, you know, I know you. We've known each other for a while. And what you probably don't see is the fruit that comes out of your life. And that is evidence of the pruning. That is evidence of the relationship. That's literally what we just read. But I understand what you mean about wanting to hear his voice more. That's where I was. I I remember when I was first asking it, when I finally came to the point where I believed he could, you you sit down if you want, uh, where I believed that he would talk to me, it was still six months after that before the first time he ever did, in, in that way. I mean, I always had the heart impression, and, and I think if we went around the room, everybody would relate to that, where you have this feeling that God's telling you this, telling you that, right? I mean, that, at least for me, and I, I, can only, I can only share my life, for me, that's how it started. That's how that's been my whole life, really. This kind of feeling, and then, of course, he speaks to me out of his word, that's the black and white that I know. But what you're talking about is conversation, right? Yeah. For me, that took a while. It took time. And, and it, it doesn't take time because of sin. I mean, sin certainly can be a barrier in that. But sometimes it is a cost of faith. Because, see, what we don't know is the full callings necessarily that God has on our lives. Well, each of those callings have a requirement of faith. It's kind of like, I think, a few, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago, whatever it was, we talked about deposits of faith, right? And how faith is the currency in heaven. Well, only God knows what he has for you and what you are purchasing with your faith. So the thing that I can encourage you is two things. One, you just keep asking him. Keep keep talking to him. And just say, Lord, talk to me. That's what I used to do every day. Talk to me today. Talk to me today. Talk to me today. I love you. I would talk to him. I tell him I love him all the time. And, and and then just walking where you know you're supposed to walk. The rest is on him. Remember, a relationship is two-sided. All you can do is your side. But see, in that, he prunes. In that, he prunes something away. It may be pruning away sin. It may be pruning away a paradigm. It may be pruning something away that literally unlocks his voice. Because I can tell you this, he is talking to you. That's what I learned myself, is he was talking to me all along. I just couldn't hear. 
I had bad cell reception. That was on Verizon. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you bleeped that part. That you say it's spotty at best. Well, and, and, and that's the thing, though, is that's still the right track. Obedience is what? It's loving each other. That's what, that's what he just said. You, you passionately love the Lord. So each time you reach out, which is different than your personality, you even stated that just now, that's different than your personality to reach out. It's different in your personality to stand up here and ask that question. But every time you step out of your comfort zone and do what the Lord says in this, it makes it clearer. It makes it clearer. But it does take time. The relationship does not, it is not an immediate thing, even, even with the disciples. I mean, you, you look, he spent, he spent a little over three years with them, right? Okay. And there was so much they didn't get until after he was gone. That's when it really changed. Yeah. Did somebody else have a question? Okay. You come on up. Yeah. And were there any online or no? Okay. Um. So this, there's two things. This is just kind of clarifying because the same thing was on my heart that Corey came up here and talked about of conversation with the Lord. Like I know how He He speaks to us through different things. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, in terms of conversation, we should just keep seeking Him. Similar to, you know, gifts of the Spirit, because when we seek Him, mm-hmm. you know, all these other things follow. So you're saying seek Him every day, just in conversation. Even if you can't hear Him right away, keep talking to Him. Keep yeah. asking Him questions and have conversations with Him throughout the day. That's what you're saying. For yeah, time. and what, again, what I can tell you is my experience. Um, and, and I think the reason the Bible doesn't lay this out you know, you, you would think, well, wouldn't it be easier if you did a chapter on how to build relationship with him? And, you know, we could follow these 10 steps and then, boom, everything would be great. He loves us individually. And relationships are individual. They're not corporate, right? The relationship he wants to build with you is not something that I can fuse into. And, and I mean, I can help by loving you by doing my part, right? But it's you who builds the relationship with him. And so, so because of that, all I could do is answer for me how I did, how it happened for me. And then, and then I will say that the Lord, he will show you. And, and he can, like right now, he speaks to you, you know that, and he speaks to you in his word, he speaks to you even, even in, uh, um, you know, in your heart, and if, if that's all it is, and I think with you it's more than that, but if that's all it is, that's enough. It's enough to speak through his word. Because we can, we can take his word and we can do what he says for us to do, to pray to the Holy Spirit, to reveal Reveal, reveal, okay, in his word. And all of a sudden we could be reading a passage, even this passage, that the Holy Spirit will reveal something about my relationship with him, or or in this case, your relationship with him, that draws you closer to hearing his voice. Okay, now, it's not, you know, let, let me be clear that God can do anything he wants to do in that relationship. I mean, God can flat out just manifest and 
sit out, hang out, and have coffee with you. I mean, believe me, I pray for that all the time. I want, I desire that. The only problem with that is those things don't take faith. I mean, it takes faith for up till it happens, I suppose. Right? It certainly takes faith praying for it. But what he loves, Hebrews 11.6, is without faith we can't please him. So when you are seeking him in that faith, Lord, I think this is what you're telling me. I, w- I want to get it right. I think this is what you're telling me because, because I'm, I'm hearing this, I'm feeling this, I'm getting confirmations of this. I want to be sure, right? So, so, so in that, his voice will get stronger and stronger as you move more and more. It may not become audible. I don't mean that. Mm-hmm. It may not become physical in that way, even though it could. Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, every, everybody's individual. But it will become clear. That I can promise you. There, there's, what, what I have is no different than what anybody else can have. And I, I, I will have a conversation with the Lord like you and I are right now. I won't hear him audibly, but in my head it is. <laughs> Welcome to my head. Do you see? Does that make sense a yeah, little bit? Does. does that answer your question or no? Well, it leads right into my, my kind of question. Okay. Here. So when we're doing what you just said in stepping out in faith based on what we believe the Lord is telling us, he has us do different things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Maybe going to a certain area, praying for an area, praying for a person. Um, I wanted to, and you can feel free to table this if this strays too far from what you're saying with no, relationship. Yeah. Um, but I know there's a topic of kind of, you know, or what people think, not just myself, but us as a whole, as we're going to these areas like the University of Delaware of like our spiritual safety. And when we're doing things that the Lord tells us to do, from from my point of view, it's like we're protected by Him no matter where we go. Mm-hmm. But there's also that level of things in the atmosphere that hate us and want to kill us. So right. I just wanted to ask about like what we should and shouldn't be worried about when we're going around trying to do the Lord's work. Well, no, I think that has everything to do with relationship because that was the only way that I was able to go to Nigeria that time when the Lord said that they would try and abduct me because I knew it's what he wanted. So, okay, and and I really thought that they would be successful in that, but I, I just knew I wouldn't die. So I just kept saying, okay, Lord, well, just help it not to be real painful. That's all. But I trust you. It's the I trust you part that is the relationship. It's not that we will always walk in safety because we won't. Boy, if that was the case, then, then Jesus would have to apologize to all but one of his disciples because all of them were martyred. So we, we, he doesn't guarantee us safety. He, he guarantees us if we walk in his will, we'll accomplish his will. If it's his will for me to be a martyr, or for you to be a martyr, you want to accomplish his will. I'm talking about spiritual safety. You mean like... like uh, People worry about getting cursed. Or... Okay, getting cursed and all that. Um, I can... I mean, the Lord is... Yeah, and, and 
for those of you online, he, he said that he was talking about spiritual safety, not, not so much physical safety, you know, curses, that sort of thing. Um, I can tell you my thoughts on that um, because I know the Lord is, is really teaching us this now. Um, I can say this with absolute confidence. If he told you to be there, just be there. You know, if he told you to go pray for somebody, go pray for somebody. Now, what I, you know, we, we have been taught certain ways to defend ourselves, if you will, spiritually, right? Against witchcraft, against uh, uh, different things like that. Um, what I'm learning in my own life is probably the last few months is, and, and we're all individual, but, but they can't do, if I'm walking in God's will, they cannot do anything. They just can't. They haven't been able to. Um, now, I don't know if that's because of a certain path that God has me on or what. I have no idea. I just know that in the Bible it says that what he calls me to do, he'll equip me. That includes the enemy trying to come against what I'm doing and what the Lord has me doing, even if it's human witchcraft or whatever. Um, I, I, have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that witchcraft is not near as powerful as what they build it up to be. I think, I think much of its power is in what they have built and in the vulnerabilities of those who receive it. If you're walking in relationship with the Lord... I don't believe there's a thing they could do against you. I mean, they could do things against your circumstances, certainly. But I don't see that, that they can alter your path because that's only your choice. You know, they can make it hard. I mean, look, look, at, look at Paul. You know, you only have to look as far as Paul's life to see that his life was not an easy life of being a Christian. But yet, he was preserved until it was his time to be a martyr. He was preserved. Did it make it fun for him? No, I, I kind of think that when he was, you know, being beaten, when he was being stoned, you know, when he was on all these shipwrecks, I'm sure that wasn't fun, <laughs> you know, but he was protected. It, does, that, does that make sense that the circumstances of it are not necessarily the truth of it? And we've seen that so much that the circumstances will oftentimes lie. Does that make sense? Does that answer it at all? Okay. Okay. So, um, so, I'm asking this definitely for myself, but also because I just sense that this is a question on people's hearts, whether they've said it out loud or not. Mm -hmm. um, but, I noticed, or more after the fact, um, I sensed spiritually that when we were singing Safe House in the last, the, the last song is called Safe House, by the way. When we were singing that, I, again, I, I can't give you necessarily any proof, but I just got the sense it, that some people in this room, I don't know who, but struggled with actually singing that with integrity. 
because it was such a vulnerable song. And so my question is, how, how do you be open and transparent in a vulnerable way with both God and with the bride when you struggle with being open and transparent in a vulnerable way, mm-hmm. just in general? Well, the first thing is, there is no relationship without vulnerability. Um, you look at any marriage, you look at any relationship that's built, uh, you cannot build a relationship without being vulnerable with that person. Or, or it's just a surfacey relationship. If you want a close relationship, it comes from vulnerability. And, and that, by the way, vulnerability does not mean, you know, I just, I just bear my whole soul and, you know, good luck with that. You know, that's, that's not what it's talking about. Vulnerability is, is where you are willing to share the difficulties that you go through. Um, for the purpose, by the way, for the purpose of it being better. Not for the purpose of just venting. You know, that's what venting is for. Relationship and co-relationship between two people or between us and God is is that we are vulnerable to each other. You know, Jesus lived a life of vulnerability. Vulnerability is also about transparency. You know, being transparent before the person that you're in a relationship with. That is vulnerability, right? Jesus was the most transparent. He was vulnerable to the point of death. He gave his life for us. So he, so even because you say, well, God's not vulnerable with me. Yeah, he is. Because God's pure love and pure love, love is vulnerability. Now, it's not vulnerability like you're going to rock him if you choose not to be with him. You know, that you're going to ruin God if you don't build relationship with him. No, you know what? If, if Alexis turned against me and decided not to be with me anymore, it would hurt me deeply. But it wouldn't kill me. It wouldn't pull me away from the Lord. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because vulnerability, okay, in my relationship with the Lord is that strength. We think of it as weakness oftentimes. Vulnerability is weakness. But it's just the opposite of that. Vulnerability in a relationship, and, and let's use the Lord for because he's, he's perfect, right, in relationship, whereas some of the human relationships aren't perfect. They're going to use, you know, the vulnerabilities that we have. But to God, our vulnerabilities are held in his hand. They're cared. You can tell God your vulnerabilities. You know, you can tell God, I, I, I don't know why I can't hear you. I, I don't understand this. I don't understand why this or why that. That's being vulnerable with him. That is sharing with him um, where you're at. And there is a diffusion of the enemy in that vulnerability, in that transparency. Even, you know, if it's between you and the Lord. Just like there's a diffusion in a relationship. Right? I remember 
um, I won't say his name, but it, you all know him. This this guy who he and I were worked together before in in church, and you know things happened, and it was not a good situation, and I did not have the right lens of love that I should have, and then everything just fell apart. Ten years later, God brought that back together. Okay, when he and I met for the first time, it was me being vulnerable with him that opened that door. Because the first thing out of my mouth was, I'm so sorry. Because I didn't understand back then the lens that I was supposed to have that I have now. See, it's that vulnerability that can bring strength. Does that make sense? So, so, you know, some of us may not be at a place where we're ready to be vulnerable with each other. You know, I mean, we need to get to that place. But that requires a lot of trust. See, God, we know we can trust. Right? So start with him. Start being vulnerable with him. And then he'll teach you how to be vulnerable with each other because, see, I can share with you things that are a struggle for me. Now, why can I do that? Because of trust. Right? If I have a relationship that I'm building, I can trust that person. And even if they did go off and they used it the wrong way, I trust in my God. And in that trust, he builds confidence. So much about vulnerability is also about confidence, which is all wrapped around trust. Does that answer? Okay. I think this kind of like piggybacks off of the vulnerability thing, but I think when, obviously when you're growing a relationship with the Lord and he is not about staying in your comfort zone at all. So, you know, there's times that he'll bring up subjects or call you to things or tell you about things that are just uncomfortable and not where you would personally choose to take things and they're, they're uncomfortable. It's hard to navigate and it, it can, I can struggle with that, with how do I navigate this like, I know you love me and I trust you and I'm okay with whatever it is you want to tell me and like call me to or whatever, but this is very uncomfortable for me and I'm working through it. And the process can be very difficult and navigating that in the process of it, like not not the ending because I know in the end it's going to be great, but then the process of getting there is so hard. Um, so I just wanted to ask about like navigating through. Are, are you talking about uh, like calling on your life, like thing he tells you to do, or? Yeah, I mean it's just. Yeah. yeah. Be, because, yeah, I mean, that that all works into the building of the relationship because, um, and, and, and I'd fall back to saying that's what takes time. You know, changing our paradigms is not a quick process. You know, it, I mean, for me, there was one that took 25 years. <laughs> Thank the Lord that's not how long they all take, you know, but, but it does take time. And it takes pain, and it takes crying, and it takes difficulty. And the reason why it takes all those things is because of us. You know, it's, it's, it's learning how to expect things that 
we never expected before. Or, or learning how to realize things that we never even saw were a possibility. So that's where relationship also brings hope. Faith brings hope. You know, God, he said that, that the three main things, faith, hope, and love, those things all are part of that relationship. Because we can, we can get mired down in, in the process of that relationship. And, and see, with, with each of us, we're each different. That's why we're all part of one body. We're all different. One person may say, well, you know what, that, that's easy. You just kind of walk with it and go with it. And, you know, it, it, an apostolic type person, a plower, that's what they're going to say. That that's, tends to be my way is like, okay, you know, I'll just plow and I'll see how many, you know, injuries I have at the end. Right? <laughs> then there are other, and they, I, Shannon's laughing because she's the same way. It's like plow. I don't care about what any, anybody thinks. You know, just plow, right? That's how some people are. Other people, they feel everything. They feel all the injuries because they're supposed to. That's part of how they're made up. And, and that's, not, that's not a good or a bad thing. It is a difference in process, though. It takes time. Just like it takes time for the plower to realize look you know you got to learn you can't say things like that <laughs> because you you will plow right over people if you say things like that it's it's the same for them for one who is very sensitive to that they have to learn not to take it that way you see what i mean so each of us are different in that way but but the the thing I would say is it is a process. Everything God does is a process. And, and you know, don't feel like you're not getting anywhere because you feel bogged down in the process. Because every day when you wake up and you say, your will be done, and I give you my yes, do you know that's all you have to do? That's all you have to do. And, and by the way, you've got to mean it. But when you mean it, what he does is he'll work through that. He'll work through that. It's, it's you know, I, I know your your personality is 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 part of that where where you can all all of the the uh, outside feelings of stuff can really affect. But do you know that that's the downside? But the upside is all those things can help you write help you express in worship. So see, it's necessary. Does that make sense? The time, though, is the hardest part. But, and I, I know, I, I, don't, I, want, I want to make this blanket. I don't want to make it just, just a, about you, but I, I want you to know that, that from the outside, the difference is seen. Yeah, there aren't too many people here that up and moved to come here just because the Lord told them. That's an obedience that, that is irrational, to say the least. <laughs> just, just like the whole group going to Nigeria in October and then after the first year, that's, that's not rational. But they, they said it, you're, and you, you said it, and you did it. That's part of the process. Just give him your faith. Faith, hope, love. 
give him that and, and recognize that the relationships that you build around you, the other personalities, what, what you lack in, a, in an area, there's someone else that has a strength in that area. And their weakness in an area is going to be your strength. And that's how we are as a church. But that's how the bride's supposed to be. See, God is building, he's not building all this in this church just so we could be some great church. No, he's building us up to have a place in the bride that will fit in, that will be helpful. And, and you have that place. So just, just trust him in it. Takes time, but trust him in it. Especially as a young person, by the way. As a young person, you, you couple that with, with the realities of things that you're just going through, oftentimes for the first time, right? Especially big things in your life, you know? So just give him your yes and just trust in what, what he's doing and then he will do it. He will do it. Does that answer your question at all? Okay, because sometimes I feel like I get off somewhere. You have one? Okay, this this will be the last one, I think. Or did you have one? Okay, then you'll be the last one. No more questions. <laughs> um, so I feel like this is a question that I just feel like it would be so easy to be in this place. And when you're a person who, well, it, it goes kind of back to the conversation question where it's like, okay, I'm pressing into God, I'm pressing into God, and I just feel like I don't hear a thing. And you recognize and acknowledge that he could speak to you through a feeling or audibly or through a dream or whatever. And you go through all of those, all of those different things that you know and how he speaks, and you say, wow, I don't manifest any of those. I don't have dreams. I don't speak in tongues. I don't even get a heart impression. In fact, I usually don't feel anything. My mind is blank. I don't even know what to pray when people ask me to pray. I just feel like there's nothing valuable inside. And honestly, if I were God and there were five people from this church that you want to do a work in, I would not be one of the five. I would not be chosen. So because I don't have this relationship, how in the world am I ever going to be used? How do I even start this relationship? Because I can't even hear him. So I feel like that's in a long breath kind of a question. How do I, I love the word navigate. How do I navigate that? How do I get beyond that? Because it is a lie that you're not chosen. Mm-hmm. So how do you turn that around? Well, and, and, and first of all, I understand that, that a relationship never gets to a point of arrival. Like, oh, okay, he talks to me now, so now it's we're good. We're at this level of relationship where it's just going to be the same all the time. That will never, ever, ever be the case. There are many times where he is, and, and again, I can only speak personally, but many times where he's silent to me. And, and when I say silent, he, he is silent with, with everything except for the love between he and I. Right. He'll he'll, he'll I, like I'll talk to him about things if I'm talking to him about just loving him and who he is. And, and, and he'll talk to me about that. The second I do. OK, so let's talk about Nigeria for a second. Where'd you go, Lord? <laughs> he'll just be silent. And there are times that oftentimes that ha- that happens. And it's because um, 
as, as best as I can tell, it's because he needs my faith. He's already said something. He needs me to either just trust in that or act upon it, perhaps. Okay. But as far as somebody feeling like, well, okay, I don't hear him at all. Um, so, you know, what kind of place would I have in this? I, I would say that would tend to have been me because, you know, I don't speak in tongues, right? I rarely have dreams. And, you know, the, the prophetic things that he gives me are, are in a discussion. It's not like ecstatic or anything like that. It, it really came out of relationship. That, that was built with him. So um, I can tell you that there's not a soul in here that does not have their, their place in this body. Um, now, whether they want it or not, that's up, that's up to him. Because, or up to, uh, not up to God. It's up to the person to decide what they want. Because you, it says here, abide, 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 abide in him. And, and, you know, the thing I would say is just keep going. Just keep asking him to speak because he will. He will. That's the thing. He will. I don't know the timing, but he will. If, if you've been going at it for three years and he hasn't spoken to you and, and, and you're just frustrated with it, don't look at it that way. Look at it at how much faith you've deposited in those three years and react to the fact that when he speaks, it's going to be a bombshell. Right? Don't change the faith. Don't change the thought process that, okay, well, he doesn't speak. You know, that could be one thing. There could be another thing, and, and this isn't so much, so much related in here in this church, but the other thing could be, well, you know, I, I've known God my whole life. Right? And, and I say this because this is where I was. I've, no, I, I'm, I've known God my whole life. I know his word. I know he speaks to me through that. I know his word. I, I teach his word. I know his word. God's never spoken to me. So therefore, he doesn't speak. That's so false. That's so false. Just because God does not do that with one person does not mean that he doesn't do it with somebody else. Now, the reason for that might be different. And, and what God has been showing me so much lately is this idea of an intellectual spirit. You know, when we look at God intellectually, you are not going to be able to build relationship. You're just not going to. If you look at God as a list of ways that you live your life, you're not going to be able to, re to really build relationship with him. Why? Because that's like me getting to know Alexis by reading a book. I can read books on her and know everything about her, know her favorite color, know, know everything. But until I converse with her, until I tell her I love her, I can't really feel her love. Even though she may love me, she may read my books. And she may love me through my books, right? But until I get to know her and get to hear and get to feel that love for me, it's not relationship. Did that answer it at all? 
What part didn't? It's just how do you how do you become encouraged? What is the truth that you can believe? I'll tell you how you become encouraged. Is you you put yourself in with a group of people that will encourage you. That's what Jesus is saying here. You love each other. See, he knew what the disciples were about to go through. He knew they would need encouragement with each other because they're about to lose their leader in their eyes, even though the reality is they, they would be getting more power. But so, so for people that struggle with this, and I think we all do at different points, that's why he puts you in a family. That's why, like, like, you know, when uh, the first question that asked that was asked about vulnerability, that's why we're vulnerable with each other so we can be encouraged. And by the way, everybody needs that. I mean, everybody, including me, everybody needs that encouragement. That's why he puts us in a family. And and from there, it's just yes every day and time. Margaret, and this will be the last one. Um, so this question, in my head it feels like it's going to be redundant, but um, I'll be transparent with kind of how Corey was as well. Um, and I'm sure it applies to people, multiple people, I hope at least. When you are involved in something, not in something, when you are doing something or feel like you are doing something that you thought was the right thing, and it turns out it was the wrong thing. Um, you know, whether, you know, I mean, not like blatant sin, where it's like, you know, you should, know you should not be doing this, you know. Right. Um, like, don't go snore cracking it out. Like, don't, you know, but something like that, where it's, it right. seems like a good thing at the time, and you thought, surely, like, you know, I will go, and you did. And then you find out very quickly that, no, no, that is not where you were supposed to go. And... I understand that God's forgiveness is immediate and always and it will never change. When you ask for forgiveness, he will give it. So that, that's, I, I hear you on that. My question is, as a member of a body, whether it be this family, another church, whatever, as a member of the bride, how do you combat the feeling of, and maybe it's just me, but coming home and going, I know I messed up or I'm working on getting through it so I'm in a better better place or, you know, I'm not in, in trouble anymore, quote-unquote. Um, how do you deal with knowing that you're going through something and whether someone knows about it, like, specific, you know, specifically, or you just know that you're dealing with it and you haven't really said anything to you besides the Lord, coming home to the family and going and kind of dealing with that, maybe the unspoken, like, everyone knows, like, I did, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know dealing with that, um, while being transparent, while building relationships, while you know doing all the things that we love and we do every day and every week, um, but not feeling like a weirdo, I guess is the best way to put it. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Well, the the first thing I would say is you you need to separate condemnation from consequence. Sure. Okay. Because there is no condemnation, right? However, there are consequences from things that we choose. You know, if if I if I uh, were to shave my head bald, oh, that was a bad mistake. It's not going to grow back immediately, right? Okay, there there are consequences. So don't don't let the consequences condemn you. 
Okay? But we work through even at that point. Um, also, if, some, if God showed you something that it was a mistake, don't keep going with it. You know, that, that's the thing. It, you know, we, we stop with that. But um, that's also part of what relationships within the body are about. You know, one, we, and you can come up if, if you want to. Uh, one, we make ourselves vulnerable and accountable at the same time. To, to others, because when we make ourselves accountable and we love each other, then, then there should be people that you can go to and that will come to you. But, but the, the biggest thing I would say is when you, you know, if you go through making a mistake like that, then it's not just about living through that and then, then trying to move on. It's about, okay, Lord, what did you want me to do? And how could I have done it better? How could I have done it differently? So you learn for the next time. Um, and, and oftentimes that's also what makes his voice clearer. Does that make sense? And you want I to just want to add some of that to too. that, that it's, I know, knowing you, I know your heart. But you never actually work from the place of combating a feeling. Right. You have to come from truth. Right. And we, we always go to the Word of God, and we always go to, um, you know, and relationally we know the truth is that God is always speaking to us. There may be barriers, there may be doors that we've closed, but He is always... If, if He were not speaking to us all the time, there would be no such thing as an invitation to relationship. So... There's so many amazing scriptures that I hope you're going to dig in. You know, the Lord shall be your confidence in Proverbs. You know, he shall not let your, uh, your foot be moved. And the, the role of the Holy Spirit, which we talked about in the ladies' class. But um, the thing that Greg said earlier, though, to, to everybody's question about the, um, the control that we want to have. You know, part of relationally growing is giving God more and more control. And that is a choice of our will. And I would say to the original question about the struggle sometimes, oh man, you're speaking for everybody. But don't ever let the enemy tell you the status, like the relationship between us and God is a, is a picture of Christ and the church is a picture of a, of a marriage, right? If I am struggling in, in some aspect with Greg, and I go to someone, and the starting place is, your marriage is in jeopardy. You guys are in trouble. You, your relationship is in trouble. I'm going to approach the resolution of that from a place that isn't true. If I know we are, we are in relationship, we are in a marriage, however many barriers there may be, however many conflicts we're resolving, the truth is, I am still in that marriage. And so when we're in Christ... We may be getting through some struggles, but the enemy will always try to attack our faith in relationship and, and attack the that you're not really growing in relationship. We can, we've had so many conflicts through the years, as you can relate, being married a long time. That didn't mean that our marriage wasn't growing. That meant that one of us was not understanding the other, and the only reason the human example isn't the exact example is because God never makes mistakes, and there's, there's a perfect side to that example. So God will always give us the answers and will always draw us into communication. But the struggle, don't be surprised. James says, don't be surprised. Don't be, 
shocked that you have, um, and in other places too, you know, in this world you're going to have tribulation, John 16. We will have struggles, but that doesn't mean that our relationship isn't growing. It might mean that more of us is being purged, pruned, and dying, and it feels a little bit strained, and then the enemy comes and whispers and says, see, see you, I don't know what this relationship with Jesus, I, it's not going so good. When you can be no, like, no. I'm struggling to get rid of the old me. I'm struggling to die to the carnal nature. But my relationship with Jesus, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. 2 Timothy 1. So we we have to always approach this relationship thing from truth. Otherwise, like ladies, what we spoke about this morning in class, when you start from the wrong starting place, you will have an outcome that is way, way off track. So that's just something really important is go to the word, but like him, like he said at the beginning, don't let your relationship be that you, you're living according to a bunch of, of creeds and principles apart from the Holy Spirit. And, and I'll just end with this one little thing that, that happened to be such a cool thing. It was in sync with the ladies' class. The difference in John 16 or John 14 when he talks about the Holy Spirit as a guide. Okay, there's a difference between getting a guide for your life and getting direction for your life. When you get direction, if you were going to take a hike, and this is what we talked about in the lace class, if you were going to take a hike through some mountains and you just got directions, you could get directions of, okay, watch out for this pitfall. These are, the, these are the things to watch out for. This is the path to take. Great. Good. I got it. That's different than getting a guide who's with you every step of the way. You along that pathway may forget or misread or not quite remember what exactly that meant with the instruction of the directions. But when your guide is with you, then every step, uh, you're, and, and you know, Hannah brought out that great point that she was the guide at, at, at Disney when she worked at Disney. And in the process of guiding people through the park for the day, she also built relationship with them. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. But if you buck your guide because of not surrendering your will, there's going to be some barriers. You can have your guide with you and, and try to grasp control, and all of a sudden now it's, there's going to, it's going to be like a foghorn. You're not hearing your guide because you just are willfully wanting to go this way. That's why Jesus said in, in the Gospel of John, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay. Now we just take that out of connotation. We, we think that loving God is only keeping his commandments. But that's part of it, because if we're not keeping his commandments, we're the ones with the walls and barriers and things that keep us from hearing his voice. So it it all encompasses. And this was a huge subject to bring up in such a short period of time. Um, But the questions were really, really great, and and it is a struggle. But, But just know that even if you're experiencing the silence of God, it is not because he's not talking. Right. He is communicating. Your expectation, if I'm only looking for an email and a text and something on Marco Polo from from Lacey, okay, and I don't get one of those three, I'm sure she doesn't want to talk to me today. But what about all the other ways that I'm forgetting? What about the old-fashioned way that nobody communicates anymore, a handwritten letter in my my, my mailbox at, at the end of my yard? You know, God will speak in many ways. Study. Study from the word how he speaks. He may have talked to your thoughts so many times this week or so many times today already. He certainly doesn't talk to us less than Satan's demons do. So you've got to just, it's it's that we need to open ourselves up. If we want control, 
There's a part of his voice that will be walled and blocked from us. So it's really more our receptors than it is his voice. And this is, of course, the answer to Shannon's question. So um, I'm just, um, I know that this will be maybe igniting some.